Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. She was an incredibly effective person at every line, at every level, and she was at all of those levels on the way to the Senate. Those of us who were fortunate to call Diane our colleague can say we served alongside the longest serving female senator in American history. Diane was a trailblazer in her beloved home state of California and our entire nation are better for her dogged advocacy and diligent service. That's Mitch McConnell speaking about Senator Dianne Feinstein announced this morning passing away at the age of 90. We'll get into the political posturing in a moment. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-468-8669, got Tony. My job is not to lionize Senator Feinstein, and I have no plans of doing so. There were disagreements uh, that were great. Things that she has said, as people have pointed out through her career, where I would go, oh, that was good. That was well done. That was well played. A lot of people sharing that video when kids were in her office saying, we have to do something about climate change, and and we voted for you. And Diane Feinstein said, how old are you? And one of the kids says they're like 15 or whatever it is. And she's like, well, then you didn't vote for me. And it ju- it just cuts. At one moment, it, she's like, you know, I just got reelected. I, I got a million more votes than the other person. I, I, uh, or I got over a million votes. I know what I'm doing. And they brought in these kids to try and apply the pressure. Cause what can you say, uh, to, 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 to kids, right? Why, why, how are you going to say no to them? How are you going to, uh, um, how are you going to say no to those faces? And Diane Feinstein was like, you don't know what you're talking about, youngster. It's really good. It's really, it's really good. You're like, wow, that was, that was something. There are plenty of those. In a career, there are going to be those moments. I have no interest, as I said, of stating, oh, what a trailblazer. Oh, first female this. Oh, such a strong woman. I, no, no. But I have no interest in mocking her death. It is at this moment that we're reminded that over the past weeks and months, we knew she wasn't okay. We knew she wasn't healthy. We knew that she was sick. We knew it. We saw it. We watched it. And we were absolutely disgusted. Why don't they care about this woman? She's there in a, in a committee hearing. She doesn't know how to vote. She has to be told by her staff. I'm not saying, hey, we're voting on this because of why, you know, getting a reminder. We're talking about she didn't know what she voted for. She didn't know that she had left the Senate for a little while because she was ill. Her staff had to explain it to her. Being pushed around in the wheelchair. It was obvious that she wasn't okay. It was obvious that she wasn't 
there, and we said so. We said so because the politics were inconsequential to the humanity, and we looked at it and we said, my God, what is happening there? And just like Senator Fetterman, and just like President Biden, we were disgusted that there are these people out there who put their ideology over their humanity. Their humanity is gone. It has been extricated. And in its place, this ideological desire for power and victory at all costs, quite literally. We talk about the problems in society, societal ills uh, writ large. And I have made the, the, the statements more than once. Something has been introduced into society that must be extricated or something that has there. There's something that has been removed from society that needs to be reintroduced. I can think of no other possible reason for some of the insanity that we see. I can think of no other reason why Dianne Feinstein was wheeled around like a prop uh, throughout the halls of the Senate except that the desire for power was more important than anything else. And yeah, I'm disgusted by it. The conversation of Dianne Feinstein's life won't even come down to achievements, uh, political thoughts, philosophy. It'll come down to what her own family did to her. It'll come down to what the Democratic Party did to her. And it'll come down to not enough senators standing up on the floor of the Senate saying, what the hell's going on here? What the hell is going on here? What are you doing? You can't force someone to resign. But you can work to engage some type of removal. We have a leadership in the Democratic Party, possibly in the Republican Party, that didn't think that was necessary. So don't ask me to cheer her death either. I'm not doing that. People who do that are freaking sick. But I won't forget, I can't forget, that you had a woman who was clearly ill, clearly not okay, Clearly mentally lost. Lord only knows the other physical ailments. I have no idea of it was whether she was in pain or anything else. And you said, let's squeeze out of her what we can. I'll never forget it. I'll never forgive it. All the best to the Feinstein uh, family. All the best uh, to them and Godspeed. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Well, this is the weirdest hot mic I've ever heard. You got Pete Buttigieg on The View, and The View is just as silly and 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 pathetic as, as ever, especially when it comes to the impeachment inquiry. Oh, I'm going to get into the impeachment inquiry. I had a very, very long conversation with William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, 
LegalInsurrection.com. About some of the questions that were asked to uh, Jonathan Turley, who was one of the witnesses for the Republicans on the day one of the inquiry, uh, and some of the response from people like Pete Buttigieg and people like Adam Schiff, and why their response means nothing to how Republicans should move forward, if you'll remember correctly. It was William Jacobson on this show who first mentioned the idea of uh, impeachment inquiry. I brought it up on cable news, and I credit William Jacobson with making this happen. It happened on this show. This show made the impeachment inquiry happen. You can't tell me otherwise. I'm going to put that on a T-shirt. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is Sonny Hostin asking a question to Pete Buttigieg. Listen for the whispering sigh. Here we go. That information, that messaging, it doesn't seem to be resonating with the country. What would you list as the administration's accomplishments, or at the very least, why hasn't this administration been able to find that bridge with more voters and the GOP? I don't know who said that, but she asked this question. Did you hear it? It is the sigh. And then it's followed with, oh, my God. Like, what is what is the response here? How do you play that? Is it a response to the question like, oh, my God. I can't believe she asked such a terrible question. You can't build a bridge to the GLP. They're all just racist and terrible. I don't know. Like, I, so I assume the person would talk. I don't know. Is it a reaction to, oh, I can't believe I work on this show? Oh, my God. If I have to hear Sonna Holston's voice one more time, I'm going to go crazy. Maybe it's a reaction to learning there are no more donuts in the break room. Oh, my God. I can't believe everyone ate my sprinkles. I said if there are chocolate sprinkles, it's my donut. I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. It is so good. You'll see it everywhere. This is going to own your social media feed. Sarah, put it up at TonyCats.com. Get it done. I've got it saved for you. I I don't know. I have no idea where that comes from or why. All I know is I love... Every single bit of it. It is terrific. Ah, not terrific is the southern border. At the southern border, this is video from the Daily Caller News Foundation. And this video from the Daily Caller News Foundation shows people getting through the razor wire. Cutting through the razor wire In many places, Border Patrol has been ordered to cut through the razor wire. And as they cut through the wire, this guy, he, there's one guy with like a couple sneakers, a pair of sneakers, uh, like tied and around his neck, like, like just hanging off his shoulders. He's holding a bag and behind him is a guy. There's a Border Patrol agent there. So there's two guys. First guy walks by the camera. The second guy, he's in a black uh, hoodie and, and black shorts. For a second, I thought it was John Fetterman. And at this moment, as he's walking by the Border Patrol agent, he fist bumped the Border Patrol agent. This guy came across the border illegally 
And he fist bumped the Border Patrol agent. I don't know what to do with that information. There are 2,000 border crossers a day in El Paso. The mayor of El Paso, who is a Democrat, Oscar Lesser, has now agreed to start busing people out of El Paso and to sanctuary cities across the country. The city statistics, as reported by the New York Post, show that over 7,500 migrants are currently in Border Patrol custody and, wait for it, if you're driving your car, hands on 10 and 2, please. There are 7,500 migrants currently in Border Patrol custody and over 1,200 a day are being released freely into the United States. 1,200 people. You can tell me they'll show up for their court hearing, but we have a backlog of give or take 3 million. It's going to take five years plus for that court hearing to be heard. That's the plan. So when people like Representative Ocasio-Cortez in the most ignorant way possible, state that America can handle this. It's no problem. After all, we handled it with Ellis Island. Numbers of when it comes to people coming to New York City today are nothing. I'm telling you, nothing compared to the daily amounts of people that we saw coming in from through Ellis Island in the first half of this century. You're seeing you know, more than 12 million immigrants that passed through Ellis Island between 1892 and 1954. And we had seen just huge numbers of people coming in per day that, ha- that far, eclipsed, um, far eclipsed what we're seeing right now. But El Paso can't handle it, so what do you want to do? New York can't handle it. The mayor has told you that the city can't survive. And once again, here you are, representing a district of New York, saying, screw you. What happens when your ideology overtakes reality? Never mind your humanity. What happens when it takes over reality? Representative Ayanna Presley says the border is secure. Representative Hank Johnson says, oh, people aren't crossing the border. They're waiting there uh, for their asylum claims. They're just waiting at the border. They lie all the time. Why are people buying into this? Let's take the question in a little more of a personal type of route. I know and you know that there are people on the political left who listen to this show. Can I tell you a story? This is the weirdest thing, because I know there are people who disagree with me who listen to the show, and I think that's fine, and, and, and I welcome them, and people have disagreed with me when I've, when I've been out and, and about, and that's fine, and we, we've had conversations. Some people stranger than others. It's okay. But this was, this was weird. I was at an event yesterday, the 10-year anniversary of a cigar lounge called Blend Bar Cigar, blendbarcigar.com. Uh, Corey Johnson, incredible team, absolutely love them. I do my Eat, Drink, Smoke show uh, there. They've been wonderful 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 people 10 year anniversary i i go to the party huge party the food's great uh, the drinks are great it's terrific the cigar is tremendous uh the, their their new 10 year uh from from davidoff and blend spectacular spectacular smoke oh so good and so i'm saying hello to some people some people are saying hello to me recognize me from the show some people i already know and this guy says tony katz 
And I shake his hand. Hey, how are you? He goes, yeah, just, uh, I, I, I don't like your show. Just wanted to say hello. And I said, okay, have a good time. Now, I don't know why you'd want to shake my hand, but sure, whatever. People are what they are, and it's, it's fine. And, and, and I shake his hand, and I turn to walk away, and he says, and tuck in your shirt. Now, it was a, a, a white party. That's what it was. Everybody was dressed in white, and some people were in full suits, and some people were in these kind of like Cuba Vera kind of shirts. Actually, if you bought a ticket, you got one of these uh, uh, shirts, and, and people were in these things. And it's, a, it's a little relaxed. I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a suit uh, jacket, but I'm wearing jeans, and I'm wearing a, a, a whitish kind of shirt to, to blend in, and, and the shirt was untucked. I was relaxed. It was after hours. It was like 9 p.m. I was, Daddy was up late last night. Tuck in your shirt. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. If you don't like me, fine. Tuck in your shirt. What? What are you? Is this like a tough guy routine or or are you trying to feel morally superior? What if you don't if I don't like you, I'm not saying anything to you. I'm just avoiding you. Yeah, not my guy. I'm avoiding just that easy. Super weird. And I go I'm going over here i'm talking to these people i'm enjoying a cigar i tried the uh banana pudding oh spectacular um and and then i i'm i'm walking and all of a sudden i hear tucking your shirt twice dude you need a therapist can you imagine you're at this big party this big celebration you're smoking some of the finest cigars the drinks are just being poured like rain from heaven anything you want there it is people are laughing the ladies look spectacular uh the guys are just lucky to be there everyone's like this is the american dream this guy wants to be angry what's that like well, you can't, you can't control yourself. You can't give it up. Everything is always some kind of battle. Well, that's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You can't stop saying that the border is fine and we're wrong for noticing what's happening. You have to tell us everything's okay. The problem is it's a humanitarian crisis caused by the United States. The problem is you won't write a big enough check. The problem is we haven't raised taxes enough, which is what New York socialists are saying. The problem is we have a border to begin with. The problem is is that you put children in cages. Biden puts kids in cages and Ocasio-Cortez doesn't go to visit because she doesn't give a good holy damn about brown children. We already know that. The reality is right in front of you. El Paso is telling you a story. McAllen is telling you a story. Eagle Pass is telling you a story. The Yuma sector is telling you a story. The Swanson sector, when we talk about Chinese nationals crossing from Canada into the, uh, into the U.S., that's telling you a story. Why can't you just accept that it is? That's what's happening. Not the way you want it. You know what was happening? A party. A party was happening. But this guy couldn't get past himself. By the way, I said Swanson sector. Swanton, S-W-A-N-T-O-N. Vermont and a couple other states. Couldn't just figure out how to be happy. Had to be angry. Ideology first. And sometimes that ideology just destroys the soul. 
Representative Ocasio-Cortez is not honest with her constituents, not honest with herself. So she must be ignored. Like a child who wants one more cookie. Nope. And ignore her. And then vote her out of office. This is Tony Katz today. Much of the madness that we're hearing from the political left about the impeachment inquiry is actually just that. There's no there there. You've got no evidence. This impeachment inquiry is nonsense. We should investigate the investigators. That was actually Representative Ocasio-Cortez who said that. And and, and I wanted to kind of expose some of the insanity that, that we heard and kind of get uh, take a step back. Sometimes when people are engaged in something, we give them the benefit of the doubt because we're rational people and we assume that they're rational people and we want to actually hear what it is that they're saying. What is it that they are commenting on and does it have any validity? I spoke earlier today with William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com, about the impeachment inquiry and about what some of the some of the questions that were asked and some of the statements that were made after the fact on cable news, specifically MSNBC. Now I should go back in history a, a little bit because when it comes to the impeachment inquiry and William Jacobson of LegalInsurrection.com, it was on this very show. I think uh, uh, on one of the live streams where you discussed the fact that an impeachment inquiry should happen. You were the first person I heard discuss it. I credit the entire impeachment <laughs> inquiry to you being on this show, having this conversation with me, sir. Well, uh, of they, course, it never would have happened without me being on your show. This is this is fact. <laughs> and you can quote it. It's done. It said it must be true. I want to share with you a couple of things that uh, happened. One during the impeachment inquiry with Jonathan Turley. George Washington law, and then a couple of statements that came after. This was a question that was asked by uh, Congressman, uh, a Democrat, a part of the Progressive Caucus, Ro Kahana, out of California. Listen. Can you explain uh, to the committee and the country why you believe that the current evidence does not support the articles of impeachment today? Well, at the moment, these are allegations, and there are, there is some credible evidence there that is the basis of the allegations. But I, I understand that, and I'm not questioning that. I'm, I'm questioning what you, you don't think today, if you were going to vote, if this was the case, you would vote no, correct? On this evidence, certainly, because inquiry. Okay, and, yeah. and my question is, if someone said to you, okay, Mr. Turley, why are you voting not to impeach President Biden based on this evidence? Where do you think the evidence is lacking? Where, where does it not rise to, to the level where you think uh, it needs to be? What are the places that you think is, is missing? Well, I said in my testimony that the key here that the committee has to drill down on is whether they can establish a linkage uh, with the influence peddling, which is a form of corruption, and the president, whether he had knowledge, whether he participated, whether he encouraged it. Now, I, I agree. That's the link that has to be made. But I thought the question itself was peculiar because isn't the purpose of an inquiry to see where these things go. It's not like they walk in with nothing. They walk in with bank records and text messages and a host of things. That kind of questioning happened a lot. It was Representative Ocasio-Cortez who asked all of the the people there who were testifying, do you have any firsthand knowledge of a crime committed by the president? And they all said no. As Stephen Miller uh, wrote uh, uh, on Twitter, he does work at Fox News, did you actually see somebody hand a bag full of money with a big dollar sign on it (laughs) over to Joe Biden? The question itself 
seems to be an unwillingness to accept the fact that there's some serious smoke here. What was your take on that exchange? Yeah, well, that exchange, I didn't watch the entire hearing. I have seen clips and I've seen reports, particularly with regard to Turley. The Democrats are so much better than the Republicans at asking completely irrelevant questions and then somehow acting like they're actually decisive in this case. The question to Turley uh, and the reason he was there was whether there was enough to start an inquiry, not to take a vote today. Okay. And so they ask that question, but then they turn it around later and say, aha, and they show clips. Jonathan Turley says there's not enough evidence to impeach. Well, that's not why he was called to testify. This isn't an impeachment vote. This is not an impeachment trial. This is the opening of an inquiry because there's certainly strong, strong circumstantial evidence, maybe more than circumstantial, that Joe Biden was selling influence through his son, Hunter, and that this was a family business and that money that goes to Hunter and other family members is really a benefit to Joe Biden. This was enriching his family. So there's, there's plenty to go on that there's justification to open an impeachment hearing process. But just like, you know, at a trial, you don't say to the jury before the opening statements, do you have, do, do you vote guilty or not guilty? Well, let's hear the evidence. Then I'll decide. Okay. That is, not that is, that's exactly it. Let me get, let me give you another piece. This was uh, in a one-two punch with Alex Wagner on MSNBC, it was uh, Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, and Adam Schiff. Let me start with uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, who, of course, led the charge about the impeachment of Donald Trump, claimed the Russian collusion, said he had evidence of it. And as we have learned, that wasn't uh, the case. Listen, I think it was a complete debacle. And, uh, you know, and if you'll pardon the expression, it was uh, an ass backwards uh, impeachment proceeding. Uh, historically, what Congress has done when it believed a president was engaged in wrongdoing that might rise to the level of a high crime or misdemeanor is do a thorough investigation. Once you've done the investigation and believe there's a sound basis, then you start an impeachment inquiry. Uh, and at the end of that, you bring in the experts to evaluate the evidence you presented and put it in constitutional context. Well, today. Now, let me ask you a question, sir. You bring in the experts and put it into context. Uh, I don't claim to be the expert you are on the Constitution of the United States of America, but I don't recall anything about impeachment requiring a bringing in of the experts. I'm pretty sure it's a political tool where the House impeaches and then the Senate holds a trial. This seems a massive moving of the goalposts. Of course it is. I mean, this is how they deflect things. They move the goalposts. They insist that Republicans do what they never did with regard to the two impeachments of Donald Trump. Uh, they all announced he was guilty before they started any inquiry, uh, you know, based on a transcript, I think it was, of a phone call, somebody in Ukraine. So, no, the Democrats never do this. And this is, again, why they're so much better than Republicans at this messaging. They just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. MSNBC repeats it, repeats it, repeats it. New York Times, Wall Street, uh, I'm sorry, Washington Post. Well, they're so much better at deflecting these things. There is a mountain of evidence with which, for which to move forward on a formal impeachment um, inquiry. And at the end of that, when the evidence has been gathered, they can vote whether to move to an impeachment 
hearing where they'll take votes. Uh, would you but, do me a favor? Would you dig in for a moment on? I, I, I mentioned this uh, on radio all the time that impeachment is not legal. Impeachment is political. While it is a process, it is indeed a, a political process. You agree or disagree with that statement? Well, well, it is a political process. It's set forth in the Constitution. Um, you know, if there is an impeachment trial, which there were for Trump, it would be presided over by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. So uh, it, it's a quasi-judicial process. But the decisions, you do not need experts. There, you know, you do not need the levels of proof and the um, legal procedures that take place in a courtroom because those legal procedures are specific to the court system. They're not specific to the impeachment system. So it is at its core, a political process. We'd like to think that you would not impeach somebody and then have a trial without substantial evidence. But I think that with regard to Trump, certainly the first impeachment, very thin evidence that he did anything wrong. In fact, history has probably vindicated him because what was he asking the Ukrainians about? It's about Joe Biden's corruption. And now we know that there was, okay, whether it was illegal corruption or whether it was just not illegal corruption, uh, influence peddling, uh, right. which Jonathan Turley referred to isn't necessarily a crime, depending how you do it. Uh, so, you know, no, this is the Democrats have com have shifted through their media operation, the focus of the debate. The debate is not whether there's enough evidence to vote tomorrow to uh, impeach Joe Biden and then put him on trial in the Senate. The question right now is, is there enough evidence to suggest that it it requires further inquiry. And the answer is yes. I, I think that's so plainly obvious. That brings us to Secretary Pete Buttigieg. It's almost as if the memo went around, sir. Listen to this. It's insane. I mean, here we are, something like 50 hours from them shutting down the funds that we use to pay air traffic controllers who make sure that 16 million flights a year take off and land safely. And they're busy with shutdown. They're busy with impeachment for they don't even know what for. They, they, they just want to have. They don't. They don't even know what for. I was unaware, uh, William Jacobson, uh, legalinsurrection.com, Cornell Law Professor, that Congress can't do two things at once. And the possibility of government shutdown means you don't look into impropriety regarding the president of the United States. Yeah, well, what he's saying is that because of the possibility of a shutdown, we should shut down now. We should stop doing anything. Okay? <laughs> so we should do a preemptive shutdown because there's a shutdown that may or may not happen. I think it's probably likely. And of course, we all know when the federal government shuts down, it doesn't really shut down okay, uh, at all. Uh, it continues to operate. There's all sorts of exceptions to that. Uh, you know, but that's that's what they're doing there. We can't look into Joe Biden's family corruption and influence peddling because the government might shut down. We'll deal with that when we get to it. But in the meantime, we've got somebody who, by all appearances, uh, sold his office as vice president to benefit his family, maybe to benefit himself. We don't know, but certainly to benefit his family and his son and sold his position as a likely uh, presidential candidate uh, for this cycle um, 
uh, and for the you know the prior cycle also uh, to uh, foreign bidders to enrich his family. I mean, it was the the evidence of influence peddling uh, by Joe Biden is overwhelming. But I think we need to know more. And you know, Hunter Biden is now on off gone on offense. He's he's suing people for you know blowing the whistle on suing the IRS. Uh, and suing others. And I wonder if people would view it as uh, the evidence on Hunter Biden and a peddling influence operation. That's crystal clear. The question is, is it crystal clear regarding President Joe Biden? I think that's where people want to make uh, the distinction. I think that's what the inquiry is for. But would you argue uh, for or against after this day one and what you've seen of it and certainly the reporting that you've read? Uh, should the Republicans keep going or is this a fool's errand and put an end to it? No, they've got to get keep going. They've started it. Okay, you don't just call it off after day one because MSNBC is upset with you. Okay, and MSNBC is bringing on the same talking heads who say Donald Trump colluded with Russia and it committed treason. They're bringing on the same fools like Adam Schiff to now defend Joe Biden influence peddling for his family benefit. And I think under any corruption statute or any corruption prosecution. If you're engaged in political corruption and the money's going to your wife instead of you or to your son instead of you or your family, that's considered a benefit to you. Okay. And and I think it's laughable that they would say the Biden clan got mega wealthy by selling Joe Biden's office, but that didn't implicate Joe at all. If he knew about it, then it's corruption. Just really quick before I let you go, is that the legal standard that if it benefited your son, it could be seen as that benefited you and therefore it's the same? Well, it depends on the circumstances, obviously the facts, but if if you're selling your office, if you're selling political influence, but you say, hey, wire the money to my son, not to me, because I don't want a trail to me, you know, and I think that's probably what happened here is that that message was sent. Don't you dare send money directly to Joe, send it to Hunter. So if you're influence peddling for your family benefit, I, I think that under most corruption statutes that I've seen, that, that would qualify. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. Always a pleasure. Love having him on the show, uh, breaking it down. If you want to see the full interview, uh, check out what we've got going on on Rumble, rumble.com slash Tony Katz, and subscribe. You can also find it at TonyKatz.com. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Right, you've got shut down. I'll, I'll I'll get into that. You've got uh, Mark Milley uh, retiring from the military as chairman of the Joint Chiefs. I'll get into that as well. The death of Senator Dianne Feinstein at the age of ninety, and then this Las Vegas police. This is just breaking, right? Double check me there, Jason. I think, no, no, this is all happening right now. San Diego Union Tribune. Las Vegas police have arrested a man in the deadly 1996 drive-by shooting of Tupac Shakur. The guy, Dwayne, it says here Kefi D, K-E-F-F-E. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Dwayne Davis was arrested early Friday morning. The charge is not exactly clear, um, according to officials with first-hand knowledge of the arrest. 
Uh, what? I I want to know everything. 27 years later. The Diane Feinstein passing away just got pushed off the front pages. This is it. I'm sorry. Everything culturally Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift too. That's how big this is. Oh, that little dating thing insanity. Uh, Ticket sales are up for the Jets-Chiefs game. uh, Jersey sales are up for Travis Kelsey. All this might lead to bigger box office because Taylor Swift made the movie of the tour, the Eras tour, and that's coming out in October. So you wonder why this relationship is happening now. It's made for TV. Actually, made for film. All of that. (laughs) Who killed Tupac? You arrested a guy? Oh, now uh, uh, allow me to be perfectly clear about something. Some things are cultural. We shouldn't be afraid to recognize differences in societies. I will never have the connection to this story that other people might have based on a color of skin. And it's not that a color of skin will determine that you definitely have a connection. But there's no doubt there's a difference in the main. Dude, any all urban radio, all uh, urban uh, videos and, and talk series, this is the story. This is the story. To the extent that black Twitter exists, because uh, you've heard that before. Oh, my. Could be huge. Me, I'm fascinated. I culturally fascinated. I want to know what happened. Whew. They arrested a guy in the drive-by shooting of Tupac. This is Tony Katz today.